The Dodgers' magic number to clinch the NL West is at 18. Welcome to Off Day Dodger Talk. David Vass say, happy to be back with you. We are with you until 8 o'clock tonight right here on Dodgers Radio AM 570 LA Sports. We have a great show for you tonight. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, the all-time L.A. Dodger home run king, Eric Karros, will join us. And obviously, he is now part of the Sportsnet L.A. broadcast crew, national broadcaster since 2004 with Fox Sports. Oh, we're starting the car. Okay, the Chevy's starting up. Thank you. It's Adam Oslin back at our Burbank studios tonight. Ronnie Fascio has a well-deserved day off. So, uh, Adam, who I still have in my phone as intern Adam, is uh, is running things and running the ship until 8 o'clock. So uh, that's what we got tonight. We got Eric Harris at 7.30. Also, uh, thanks to our friends at RotoWare, they did make that shirt, Sliding Ain't Easy. Not sure if you've seen it on social media. You can buy one at RotoWare.com. But I am going to give away one of those David Vasse Sliding Ain't Easy t-shirts away tonight sometime between now and 8 o'clock. So uh, if, you, uh, if you come strong with some Dodger takes, you will get one of those T-shirts, thanks to our friends at RotoWare. And, uh, yes, my wrist is doing well. Today's the first day I feel like myself again. I had surgery on Monday at the Curlin Job Center. Thanks to Dr. Shin for putting my wrist back together, literally, since it was in small pieces uh, when I slid down uh, Bernie the Brewer's slide. I got my arm caught behind me. I'm sure you've seen it on social media and probably replayed it a few times. But, hey, I do my own stunts. It didn't go so well. I was trying to entertain. I feel like I accomplished that um, but was not intending to be as injured as I turned out to be. But we're all good. We're moving forward. We're here with you until 8 o'clock. And better than all that is the Dodgers have in in the loss column a 20-game lead over the San Diego Padres, and I remember all of you, many of you, I should not say all of you, many of you were panicking when the Padres traded for Juan Soto, Josh Bell, Brandon Drury, and Josh Hader. Many of you had that panic tone in your voice. Many of you were acting like Petros and Money, the number one panic brothers in this city. And look, the Dodger players leading up to the trade deadline Never felt like they need any significant upgrade. Could they have used maybe another frontline starter? Yeah, but who was available? There was no frontline starter available this trade deadline. So what did they do? They acquired Joey Gallo to supplement what they already have. And I would say Joey Gallo has worked out pretty well in 14 games with the Dodgers. He's platooning. He has three home runs. He has an OPS of 1,000. He has a 257 batting average, plus he's playing really good left field. So I would say the pieces to the puzzle have fit better for the Dodgers with Joey Gallo than the pieces of the puzzle, the overturn, the overhaul that A.J. Preller did once again. I feel like this is the fourth time A.J. Preller has had a fourth overhaul. Not too many GMs get that kind of leash to be able to mess up, spend a lot of money, tear it down, mess up, spend a lot of money, tear it down, mess up, spend a lot of money. And here's something I wanted to point out to you, and I pointed it out last year, and I'll just leave it here with the Padres. The Padres nationally, 
and I love all the national writers. They're great people. But there's a perception that is not reality when it comes to the Padres. The perception is A.J. Preller is this great scout and this great GM that drafts and develops his own players. Can you tell me how many homegrown players they have in their lineup, in their starting lineup? They don't have any homegrown players. They traded them all away to the Indians, to the Rays, to the Brewers. They don't have any homegrown players. The Dodgers, despite their payroll, are the team that continually has, yes, high-priced free agents and trades that they make to supplement their young players and their young pitching. The Dodgers are continually bringing up homegrown pitchers to help them whenever necessary. The latest example, Ryan Pepio. Mitch White was another one of those guys. He helped them this year. Tony Gonsolin, one of those guys. Walker Bueller before he got injured. Julio Urias, one of those guys. Tyler Anderson, an under-the-radar signing. So the Dodgers not only draft and sign, but they also make trades to develop. You can't say that about the Padres because all the players they've traded have been developed by their new organizations in a better way than the Padres have ever had. And that was on full display yesterday at Petco Park where Cal Quantrill came back to haunt the Padres and shut them out 7 to nothing. So uh, when you hear about the Padres and how great they are at drafting and developing, I think at this point in time, we all know it's fake news. For whatever reason, A.J. Preller has hypnotized the national media to believe that he is some genius. He is not some genius. Andrew Friedman is the preeminent front office man in all of Major League Baseball. Is he perfect? Absolutely not. Has he made some signings where in a big market he can overcome them because he has the payroll to do so? Yes, but it allows him to take more risks and more times than not, the risks that he take, that he takes are low risk and high reward. For example, Tommy Canely, Dylan Patances, he paid those guys. They haven't paid off. Dylan Patances is not going to pitch again this year. Danny Duffy, he he was, uh, I guess his career was over in Kansas City, according to Dave Roberts, but he was still coming back. And my understanding is going to start pitching minor league rehab games. So we'll see the jury's still out on Danny Duffy, but he has taken these risks for pitching depth in the name of pitching depth, but still has not overspent on these guys. And I think he's done a phenomenal job. I don't know how you can say otherwise. And he and everybody else on this team is always judged by October, but the Dodgers have never had this type of sustained success in their history. Brooklyn or Los Angeles. 866-987-2570 is the phone number. All right, off my soapbox when it comes to the Padres. Yesterday, the Dodgers beating the Brewers 12-6. to They became the sixth team since 1961, the expansion era, to have a stretch of winning at least 41 games in 50 games. They won 41 in 50 games. Only five other teams have done that. The uh, Two of those five are Dodger teams, 2013 and 2017. The Dodgers are on pace for a franchise record 113 wins. Are they playoff ready? I would say absolutely they're playoff ready. 
their lineup is what it is. They've already started to show you a peak of the platoon they are going to use in the postseason. Cody Bellinger is not going to play against lefties. Gavin Lux is not going to play against lefties. Joey Gallo is not going to play against lefties. I think we saw a peak that the Dodgers plan on using Muncie at second base against lefties, Justin Turner at third base, Trace Thompson and Chris Taylor in the outfield against lefties. So I would say absolutely the Dodgers are ready for the postseason offensively. And don't forget, they can also have Will Smith DH certain games they want Austin Barnes to catch. As far as their pitching, I would say the only question they have, and it's a big one, is who is going to close games in the playoffs. I have told you for the last three weeks, I 100% believe Craig Kimbrell will be nowhere near a one, two, three run game in the ninth inning. And that's no disrespect to Craig. He just hasn't been able to pitch clean innings this year, especially when it's less than two runs. So the Dodgers are waiting on Blake Trinan. He's still pitching at Oklahoma City. Once he comes back in September, I believe they'll have a better idea on whether it's going to be Trinan, Phillips, or a combination of both closing games in October. As far as their rotation, Urias, May, Kershaw, Gonsolin. Tyler Anderson goes to the bullpen. Andrew Heaney in the bullpen in case extra innings happen as a long man. I've answered all your questions. If you disagree, agree, or have more, 866-987-2570. When we continue here on Dodger Talk, we will give away that sliding ain't easy rotoware shirt. Plus, I'll explain to you how the Dodgers may use seven different starting pitchers and why down the stretch. And oh, yes, the critics have been silenced when it comes to Max Muncy. Phone lines are still open to apologize to the man that has seven home runs in the month of August, Max Muncy. Happy birthday, Max. This is Dodger Talk until 8 o'clock right here on AM570 LA Sports. Have you got color in your cheeks? Do you ever get that feel that you can't shift the tide that sticks around like summits in your teeth? Are there some Every time I'm with it alone, it picks me up. You just send me down. I can feel it. It is off day Dodger talk. We are with you until 8 o'clock tonight right here on AM570 LA Sports. The Dodgers are already on South Beach. Four-game series against the Marlins and then head to the Big Apple for a three-game series, possibly a playoff preview between the Dodgers and Mets for a collision course to win the National League pennant. 866-987-2570 is the phone number. The Dodgers tomorrow will play the Marlins in game one of that four-game series. Our coverage begins at 2.30 with Morongo Casino Dodgers on deck. First pitch between the Dodgers and Marlins at 3.40. Tyler Anderson is looking for his 14th win of the season. And speaking of Tyler Anderson... We are going to hear from Eric Karros at the bottom of the hour, by the way. Eric Karros will join us at 7.30. But when you look at 
the Braves and Mets. Who do you believe is the bigger challenge for the Dodgers? I personally believe it's the Braves. I believe the Braves' top-to-bottom pitching staff is better than the Mets. They've got Scherzer, DeGrom, and Edwin Diaz. That's a very big three. The two starters with the dominant closer. When you have a triangle like that hitting on all cylinders, they are a very tough team to beat. And I feel like the Mets in a short five-game series are a lot more dangerous than they would be in a seven-game series. So I do believe the Braves are going to win the East. I know everybody is giving the East to the Mets already. The Braves are only two games back of the Mets in the NL East. I feel like the Braves overtake the Mets and will play, uh, will be the two seed, and the Dodgers would possibly see them in the NLCS, not in the NLDS. But when the Dodgers come home from this road trip, this seven-game road trip, there is not a day off from their final day in New York until they start the homestand on Friday, a week from tomorrow at Dodger Stadium. And that marks the final 26 games of the season, 26 games in 28 days, which includes a doubleheader against the Diamondbacks. Also, the final six games of the season, because of the lockout, were tacked onto the back end of the schedule. So instead of closing out the season with just three games against the Rockies, the Dodgers have six meaningless games against the Rockies. And that's why you're going to see, in my estimation, I guess you could call it a seven-man rotation. I don't really believe it is. You're going to see Ryan Pepio. You are going to see possibly Danny Duffy. You are going to still have Kershaw, May, Gonsolin, Anderson, Urias all in the rotation because they have so many games at the end of the season, 26 games in 28 days. Not many days off there. And we all know... Andrew Friedman has done a great job of planting artificial extra days of rest by bringing up a spot starter, whether it be Ross Stripling in the past, Mitch White, Ryan Pepio now. There's been an assortment of pitchers that have done that. And that's why I feel like Pepio, Duffy will be part of it if Duffy's healthy. I'm not saying Duffy's going to be a five-inning guy, but I certainly believe if he can come back from this minor league rehab assignment, he'll be a three or four inning opener type of guy to ease the burden on the playoff rotation, which is Urias, May, Kershaw, Gonsolin, and Anderson going in the bullpen. So don't be surprised when you see that considering there's 26 games in the final 28 days of the regular season. 866-987-2570 is the phone number. Eric Karros is joining us in 10 minutes, so let's go out to the phones. Dave in Toluca Lake, you're on Off Day Dodger Talk. Hi, Dave. Hey, Dave. Thanks for taking my call. We should have Colin play Welcome Back, Cotter, for your welcome back. So needless to say, best wishes and a speedy recovery. Uh, You're definitely I appreciate that. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, you know, you're you're part of the family. Um, Anyway, speaking about the Padres real quick, I don't want to beat that thing to death, but Andrew Friedman is not only the best executive in the MLB, but in pretty much all of professional sports. I mean, the Padres have completely cleaned house, and what really resonated, the fact I had nothing to worry about, 
was when Profar missed a cutoff or missed a got yeah. allowed a man to have an extra allowed a man to have an extra, and then in the dugout, him and Manny were going head to head. You would expect a guy to take care of the leadership role like Manny, especially in light of the fact that Tatis was out and it backfolded. So the bottom line is it's all about chemistry. I'm not privy to the team chemistry of the Dodgers. I just know, like everybody else, what I see. But it sure seems like we've got that chemistry. And for sure, I know the Padres don't have that. Um, Really quick, I want to ask you about... Well, Dave, can I just stop you for a second? I could let you know that the winning the Dodgers have enjoyed this year has grown their chemistry. So they have great chemistry. And when you're winning 41 games in 50 your chemistry is going to be great. So winning has a lot to do with chemistry. Right. No, I, I get that for sure, just like in anything. Um, what's the situation with uh, 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 Thompson? Are we going to be able to uh, keep him and pay him enough? Or how, how, what kind of control do we have over him in terms of his, uh, his contract rights? And then uh, one last thing, and then I'll uh, let some other people squeeze in because this should be two hours. Um, you know, you talked about you you talked about uh, you talked about uh, at the trade deadline. Everybody wanted the Dodgers to get a pitcher. What was available? Well, we've got something better than that. Dustin May. He's our secret weapon. This kid is going to take us to the promised land. I've got a hundred and ten percent confidence that's going to happen. This kid is amazing. Uh, hopefully, he's going to stay healthy. Like I know he will. And, uh, you know, we'll be uh, seeing him in October for sure. So thanks, Dave, and welcome back, my man. Hey, I appreciate all the love, Dave. I really do. Thank you so much. As far as Trace Thompson's contract, he's a free agent at the end of the season. I know he wants to stay here. He loves being a Dodger. Obviously, the roots here in Southern California, it's an obvious fit for him. The Dodgers were the ones to give him his second chance at Major League Baseball, so I would imagine they'll find a common ground to bring him back. Let's go out to Tate in Glendale. You're on Dodger Talk. How you doing, Tate? Good, Dave, and I'm, I'm glad to be on the show. I don't want to beat the dead horse about the Padres, so I won't, but I agree with everything that's been said so far. And uh, I wanted to ask about, I heard you on uh, Petros and Flashkey today. And I wanted to ask about kind of Plashkey's uh, article that was about you know, how the Dodgers need to start resting their guys. And I know he's talked about the seven-man rotation. And so I'm just worried, like, are we trying to change too much? Are we going to get out of our rhythm? Are we going to – I don't want to get to the playoffs. Not. I think we need to stick with what got us here. What do you think? Yeah, honestly, I think that's where the Dodgers have been tripped up in years past can't overthink it they have the talent to run the table in October just let these guys do their thing and the biggest thing for the Dodgers yes they do put their players in great position to succeed but you can't micromanage these guys in the postseason we have seen that I don't have to go over the examples again Tate we have seen it and that's that's something that concerns me going into October Uh, you can't meddle with these guys too much if a starter's going good, let him go good. Uh, if you feel like he's in trouble, if he's running out of gas, like we have seen during the regular season, Dave Roberts has had a good roadmap given to him by uh, the analytics department, Andrew Friedman, pregame meetings. But the one thing I'll tell you, Tate, and Joe Madden said this during the 2016 playoffs, he said the Dodgers have a script, 
And if they have a lead in the seventh inning or later, they are going to fulfill that script. So you have to get ahead of them before the seventh inning because at that point in time, their pregame script cannot be fulfilled. So if the Dodgers have a lead late, they're in great shape. If it's close or they're trailing, they're going to need some heroics from guys like Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, or name your player. All right, thanks for the phone call. Appreciate it. Let's go out to Azusa. Tyler, you're on Dodger Talk with David Vassay. Hi, Tyler. How's it going, man? How you doing? I'm doing great. Just want to say big fan. I hope your hand's doing well. Heard about the whole incident. So I hope your hand's doing well and recovering well. You heard about it, huh? I did. I did. Uh, <laughs> on the uh, Brewers game, actually, I saw, I saw the whole uh, thing happen. I'm like, oh, gosh, it was okay. Gee, it's pretty crazy out there. Well, thank you. I appreciate it, Tyler. My pleasure. My pleasure. So I had a question for you. Um, in your opinion, I was kind of curious to know your thoughts on what role that Hanser Alberto will play in the playoff series. Well, I think he's on the bubble for a playoff roster, Tyler, because he really hasn't uh, he hasn't really performed well. He does. He's walked one time all season long. He really hasn't hit lefties the way the Dodgers thought he would. And he's a great cheerleader. I could see a scenario where he may be on the bubble for the playoff roster. That makes sense. I mean, Miguel Vargas, James, it depends. I'll put it to you this way, Tyler. It depends if a pitching staff has a lot of right-handers. Let's say a pitching staff only has one reliever, one left-handed starter, one left-handed reliever. Is there really much use for Anser Alberto in a series like that, or would it be better to have a guy like Edwin Rios or James Outman on your bench in that situation? Right, right. I miss. I, I really believe it's a matchup thing, uh, depending on who the Dodgers play, and you can always change that roster. True, that's very true. Good point. You're right. You're right. All right, well, thank Tyler. You so much, man. Thank you so much. Hey, you want one of those T-shirts from Rotoware? Yeah, it'd be awesome. All right, sliding ain't easy, Tyler. Compliments of Rotoware. I'll put you on hold, and Adam will get your information. Thank you, man. Take care. Have a good one. Thanks so much. Thanks, Tyler. 866-987-2570 is the phone number. Dodgers are off tonight. We have off-day Dodger talk for you, leading you up to 8 o'clock tonight, and then it's Fox Sports Radio. We're going to take a timeout. When we come back, we're going to be joined by one of my favorite Dodgers, 1992 Rookie of the Year, the home run king in L.A. Dodger history, and now a very fine broadcaster. The one and only Eric Karros is next right here on AM570 L.A. Sports. Back with you. The Dodgers will be back in action tomorrow afternoon as they start a seven-game road trip, which begins in Miami with a four-game wraparound series against the Marlins. 866-987-2570 is the phone number. We'll get back to your phone calls in just a moment, but we are joined right now 
by one of the best baseball analysts in America. The Dodgers call him their own. They rent him, but obviously he's a Dodger through and through. Came up with Tommy Lasorda through the minor leagues. His first manager was Tommy Lasorda, won the Rookie of the Year for Tommy Lasorda in 1992 and became the all-time L.A. Dodger home run king after a fantastic 14-year major league career. That obviously ended in Oakland because that's where every Dodger career goes to die. And that is our man, Eric Karras. Hi, E.K. <laughs> You're right on about that, about where old Dodgers go to die. That's, you know, it's funny you say that, that when I first walked into that clubhouse, uh, Steve Vucinich, who had been there since the early 70s, he dropped that line on me. So this is where all old Dodgers go to die. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, I got a few more years up. But it's ironic. It's, you know, it's where Ron Say, Dusty Baker, um, Mike Piazza, Nomar, I mean, Manny, myself, it just, that's, uh, that's the last stop, Oakland. So, you know, if you're a Do- former Dodger and you go there, career is going to be ending real quick. <laughs> I remember two things about your year in Oakland. I came to see you at the spring training complex, and you were optimistic. And then we were at the point of our relationship where I could call you and you would call me back, and uh, you were not so happy in the middle of that 04 season. No, that was uh, – I don't know if I – I didn't say I got tricked, but I was the opening day first baseman, and then uh, and then I didn't play for, like, I think 10 games because of uh, – <laughs> that was at the height of money ball, and it was all matchups. So, yeah, I found my way into the broadcast booth uh, at the end of that season calling the Dodgers-Giants game, uh, what's referred to as the Steve Finley game, uh, for Fox. That's incredible. That's how your broadcasting career started? Yeah, that was my – well, that's – yeah, on for TV. Uh, that was my first game I had ever called, and uh, it was a national game on Fox. It was the last uh, – second-to-last game of the season. The Dodgers crunched it with the, the Finley uh, Grand Slam. That was a memorable Dodger-Giant game, that's for sure. Eric, I, I remember you when you were playing, uh, even before I started working in broadcasting, you were always in front of the camera, in front of your locker, win or lose. And then when I started covering you, you were always great. You were a friend to the media. You knew how to play ball with the media. Did you ever envision yourself becoming a full-time broadcaster? I, I don't think I ever I don't think I ever thought that that would happen, but as I got the uh, Closer with a lot of the people in the media, I got to understand the job. Uh, I got to appreciate how hard uh, the work was, and it is demanding. A lot of people think that it's just, oh, you just show up in the booth or you know, you just hang out after the game and talk to the players. And as you well know, it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of work. There's a lot of deadlines. There's a lot of preparation. And uh, I think as a player, I learned to appreciate the uh, what the media has to go through and now being on, on that side, um, you know, I, I probably, I probably realized that there's more work than I, I even thought there would be, but it's great to be around the game and it's, uh, it's another way to, uh, to grow the game. When you started, obviously you were a national broadcaster. Now you do games as well with Sportsnet LA on top of your Fox sports jobs. Was it difficult? Did you, pay extra attention when you did broadcast Dodger games to not come across shading towards the Dodgers or did you find yourself uh, being able to toe that line pretty easily? 
it, it's tough to do. Oh, I should say it's tough. There's a difference between doing a national game and doing a game for your respective team. In my case, obviously the Dodgers. Uh, you, you're you're going towards a, a you know an audience that is obviously when you're doing local games, it's it's pro Dodger, right? And so you know you've got to come across in your telecast. Uh, you know you you may. You may try to be right down the middle, but it doesn't always come across that way. And where when you're doing a national game, uh, you know you try you're you're on both sides. You you've got to be you've got to be educated about both teams, and you want to to present that in the telecast. With the local telecasts, you've got to be a little more uh, Dodger centric. Uh, you can talk about the other teams, but boy. Be careful if you if you heap any praise on the other team because uh, you know, that'll come across as you know like you're rooting for them or something. So I, I've learned that, but I, I totally get it, and um, I think I'm becoming more and more comfortable in uh, doing the, the the Dodger telecast. With all that being said, you do see more teams around Major League Baseball than anybody else that covers the Dodgers. The main question around town is, who's the biggest challenge to the Dodgers in the postseason? Is it the Mets or is it the Atlanta Braves? So for me, it's the, the Mets, and it's just because of their, their, their pitching. Um, the Braves, I think they, again, I know they beat the Dodgers last year, but I, I think that they are a little more vulnerable. I think they can be pitched too. There's a lot more swing and miss. Uh, I don't know that they have the uh, the staff that the, the Mets do, and especially with, with Scherzer and DeGrom, and then you throw in Bassett there, uh, the closer and Diaz. Where where the Mets may be vulnerable is that bridge bridge area, uh, but if you're getting Scherzer and DeGrom going six or seven innings, uh, I, I think that they give the Dodgers uh, greater difficulty or greater matchup problems then do the Braves. The, the Mets are also, I think they're they're a better contact team. They don't swing and miss. They get on base. Uh, they're pretty decent defensively. I, I just feel like the, the Mets are a more complete team, and it, it's a more of a matchup problem than the Braves are. Would you say that matchup problem would be magnified in a five-game series or – a seven-game series because there's still a chance the Braves win the NL East. There is, but I, I here's the thing: I if I if I've got to play a seven-game series, and with the way the schedule set up, you're going to see if you're playing the Mets, you're going to see Degrom twice and Scherzer twice. So that means essentially for the Mets, if you can sneak just one win somewhere else. You know, you got to like your chances of winning three out of four with you know Degrom and Scherzer. If if in the five game series, I think the way the schedule is set up, there there aren't off days uh, between four and five. I don't know that you're coming back on. You know, your one your number one starter will come back on on full rest, but you won't see both of those guys. So then then I would give the advantage to the Dodgers. Um, I still think the Dodgers are, are the best team. I still think they're the most complete team. There, there, there's still some questions as we navigate the next uh, month and a week, month and two weeks, uh, that are going to determine how 
deep the Dodgers and how good they're they're going to be. Eric Karos is our guest. I'm glad you brought up the playoff schedule, Eric, because when I looked at it initially, it reminded me of 2020 when the Dodgers and all the playoff teams were in the bubble in Texas, no days off because of no travel. And because of this condensed playoff schedule, there's very minimal off days, one in the first round, like you said, and one in the second round. Do you feel like that also is a huge advantage for the Dodgers who have more pitching depth than any other team in the postseason? Well, I, I don't I mean, I don't know if it's a huge advantage, but I, okay, yeah, it ticks towards their, their favor. I think also the, the importance of having home field advantage is, is paramount, too. Um, you know, the fact that you're going to have to travel between games four and five in the five-game series, that is, that's not ideal, right? And I, I believe that's the case, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Yeah, it I, is. And so, so if you're playing Dodgers Mets, you know you definitely want you've got to have that home field because if you don't, say you're the Mets, you got to fly out to L.A. Then you got to fly back to New York, and then if there's a game five, you fly back out to L.A. So that's three cross country trips, and that's where you know the Dodgers they've got the home field advantage. They're basically making if it's five, it's only two, and you don't think that that matters, but. It matters, and then it really matters if games five and six, which, you know, apparently right now with the way the schedule is set up, those are back-to-back. And it just – that that plays a role. That's why I think the Dodgers, so important to, to have that home field advantage. And, you know, it looks like, you know, following a, a collapse, they'll have that, uh, you know, throughout everything. Okay, so what's the balance now as we go down the final month? Once the Dodgers come back from this road trip, they play 26 games in 28 days. They have enough pitching to be able to cover those days, but what's the balance between keeping their starters sharp and their pitching staff sharp and their players sharp and also, you know, not wearing them out down the stretch with this condensed schedule? So you 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 can mix and match. You figure out some things, but the last week and a half, you're, you've got your playoff booth going. And your your maybe the last two weeks. The other thing too that is going to be a little interesting is that time off that the Dodgers and whoever finishes second will have um, because of I think what do they get five days five or yeah, six days off five days they will play yeah right so that's that's not ideal but if I I think what they'll do is again they will try to answer questions over the next next month and then the last two weeks it is just going to be like playoff games and and having your roster i shouldn't say your roster but your lineups and your your platoons your rolls out of the bullpen i think that all becomes playoff like those last two weeks of the season so before that in september when they're playing these strings of games do you feel like uh, the starts for Tyler Anderson, Tony Gonsolin, they should be treated as uh, simulated games or spring training games where maybe they come out after three or four innings, or do you feel like you treat them normal? No, I think you've got to you've got to still have them throw five or six innings, right, or or whatever the pitch count. But I don't know that I'm going down to three innings. Um, you know, I'm, I'm maybe maybe I'm seventy some pitches. 
just because you want to keep them built up. Now, you also have to be cognizant, as you just mentioned, um, with the workload that they've had. I, for me, the, the last, you know, th- these next few weeks, the big thing and I, the most pertinent question is going to be how how is Craig Kimball going to be used and can you get him back or get him to the level that, you know, he's performed at most of his career and that's shutting down things at the end of the game. Because if that happens, then you can, you know, deploy trying in wherever you want. And that's assuming that all goes well with him, which, which we're all hoping uh, because then he becomes the, the biggest weapon in that, uh, in that bullpen, bring him in yep. in just high leverage situations. What about the fact that it seems like they may start experimenting with Phillips and Trinan when he comes back in September to close out games? Does that kind of tell you the, the writings on the wall that Craig Kimbrell, they can't trust him? Well, so here's the thing. You still got a few more weeks. And if, if you're convinced that, that Kimbrell's not the guy, which, again, he's he will make that decision for Dave Roberts and Andrew Friedman and Mark Pryor. Uh, by his performance, but the Dodgers are the best if he can close and you can bring Trinan in in the fifth inning with the game on the line or, you know, a, a, a big situation. You know, they, it's interesting. We talk about all these things that have happened this year with the Dodgers. And, you know, yes, we're losing Walker Bueller and, and, and yes, you know, Kirsch has been out. But for me, and it goes on said, the, the most impactful but one of the biggest losses this year is Daniel Hudson. And we don't even talk about that anymore. And the yeah. reason I say that is because when he went down, you know, he was, he was going in, I think he was closing a little bit then, but he was the high leverage guy. You could use him in the seventh inning. You could use him in the eighth inning. And when he went down, that was a huge blow because there was no chance of him coming back. And that is a guy that, you know, that role that role is going to be the most valuable role I believe on this team because the fifth sixth seventh inning of a playoff game is usually your most important inning because that's when that middle of the lineup's coming through you can have the game on the line and it's just you know, you don't say you're playing the Mets you certainly don't want to lose a lead and then have to see Diaz in the ninth like I you know I you don't want to save. You don't want to save your best guy for the ninth inning because the ninth inning may be irrelevant. The big, yeah. the big part of the game is going to be that sixth and seventh, fifth, sixth and seventh for, for playoff games for me are, are are much different than regular season. That sounds reminiscent of when Kenley Jansen was closing games for the Dodgers in his prime. You you did not want to be down even in the eighth inning in in a playoff game. Right, right, and and that's that's why holding that lead. Uh, or maintaining or getting that lead in, you know, that, that like I said, that fifth, sixth, seventh, you know, that's when the, the third time the lineup from the other teams usually coming around the third time. And, uh, you know, if you're a situation where you're trying to prevent a big inning, they've got runners on, and that's where you deploy your best reliever at, the, at that point, in my opinion. Hey, that makes a lot of sense. There's a reason why you're a broadcaster now. <laughs> i must not make too much sense that's why i'm still in the broadcast booth right <laughs> now, whatever a headache you think you have in the broadcast booth it's significantly less than being in the dugout 
I hear you. There's no doubt about that. No <laughs> doubt. Great catching up with you, and I look forward to uh, the last couple of road trips that you're making with the Dodgers. Uh, I'll get you into some trouble. I, I'm looking forward to it. I'm just going to stay away from any slides. <laughs> we could have gone down together. That would have been bad. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Eric. You're the best. Care, I appreciate Thanks. it. Okay. See ya. Eric Carroll, that's a nice dismount. Uh, yeah, I will get him into some trouble, but trust me, I'll keep him and me in one piece this time. He made great points, and uh, I thought the two biggest points he made were Daniel Hudson. Forgotten man, right? Remember the last time the Dodgers uh, played the Braves in Atlanta, that's where he tore up his, I believe it was, his left knee, and he was done for the season. If you go back to spring training, uh, before the Craig Kimball trade, the Dodgers were talking about Daniel Hudson and Blake Trinan splitting the ninth inning and Hudson getting a lot of the ninth inning. And then as the season unfolded and the Trinan injury happened, they were using Daniel Hudson in that role. And once he got hurt, that's when Evan Phillips really emerged and became a household name with Dodger fans. So great point by Eric that we all have forgotten how big Daniel Hudson meant to this bullpen and how missed he has been because he was pitching high leverage innings and I'm sure if he was healthy in the postseason he would be pitching sixth and seventh innings of playoff baseball also on top of that point he's right think back to the games the Dodgers have lost over the years it hasn't been in the ninth inning walk-off home runs sure they lost an extra inning game in game uh, two and game five of the 17 World Series, but you look back to last year's game two, that game went sideways when Julio Urias uh, wasn't able to get out, and the Dodgers didn't play great defense behind him. So he's right. The games are decided well before the ninth inning, and that's where the Evan Phillips of the world, the Tyler Andersons of the world, the Blake Trinans of the world are going to come in play big for the Dodgers in the postseason. And they not only have to worry about the ninth inning, they have to worry about those pivotal middle innings if their starter doesn't go deep enough. Because remember in the playoffs, five innings is taxing. We've seen that. It takes a lot out of you. Is Tony Gonsolin ready to go deeper than five innings? That still remains to be seen. Is Dustin May coming off Tommy John's surgery? Is he physically and mentally, emotionally ready to empty the tank for not just five innings but six innings? I feel like in a Dustin May start, he's a freak, no doubt about it, because he came back from Tommy John's surgery the way he did and hasn't missed a beat. I'll give him the benefit of that doubt, but in the playoffs, those innings are so emotionally draining. It's not just the number of pitches. 90 pitches in the playoffs is a lot different than 90 pitches in August. And these young guys are going to experience that. And that's something we all can't take for granted because I know we map it all out. Yeah, Anderson. Yeah, Gonsolin. Yeah, May. One, two, three. No problem to go with Julio and Kershaw. Well, it's a lot different in October. Trust me. 866-987-2570. Let's take one more phone call before we say goodnight. Don, in the city of industry, walk us off tonight. Dave, I say, so I'm glad you're back in the saddle. 
And I've heard of people sliding feet first. I've sort of heard of people sliding head first. But I've never heard of anybody sliding sideways, man. I'm just glad it wasn't worse. I'm glad you're on the mend. Hey, thank you. I appreciate that. New style. New style there, Don. That's it. You're starting a whole new technique. And, you know, I don't want to see you sliding anywhere but the slip and slide with your kids in the front yard. You know, but uh, I'm so glad the Dodgers are getting back to playing real Dodger baseball. You know, the speed on the base pass, the stealing. Uh, you know, we can slug when we need to. We can manufacture when we need to. We can hit them where they ain't. The fielding, man, you know, everything's coming together. And I just love it that they're getting back to that style of play. Hey, that happens when you have a lot of talent, Don. All of that comes together. Thanks for the phone call. Appreciate it. Love you calling in to mock the way I slide. Before we say goodnight, a couple of Dodger notes. Number one, Mookie Betts. He announced today on his Instagram that he will participate for Team USA in next year's World Baseball Classic. First time he is going to participate. So they got some big names. Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, Mookie Betts. Ken Griffey Jr. is the hitting coach, so uh, that's a pretty formidable Team USA outfield as it is. Blake Trinan is continuing his rehab in Oklahoma City, and Danny Duffy will be, uh, I get it, I got it, Adam. Danny Duffy is going to uh, start rehab assignments for minor league games this week as well. Thanks to Adam Oslin for his help. In case you missed any of the show or Eric Harris, you can find it on the iHeartRadio app. And we'll be back with you tomorrow afternoon at 2.30 for Morongo Casino Dodgers on deck in front of Dodgers Marlins in Miami. Have a great rest of your night. See ya.